Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Hi everybody, I'm not well pleased that I can only speak to you uh, via a camera this morning because it's not the same as seeing your faces out in front of me and being able to talk to you accordingly with the atmosphere and the feedback and all that goes with that. But nevertheless, that is what is. And so I shall make the best of it and try and still convey to you uh, not just words, but some passion, some feeling, some essence of who I am that hopefully touches the passion and the essence of the feeling of who you are as well. We couldn't meet this uh, Sunday morning by choice because we had one or two things converge that uh, made it better for us to cancel and uh, get ready for uh, our Christmas special on Saturday evening next week at seven o'clock, which is going to be fantastic and uh, want you to be there. And uh, please, please bring somebody along to experience what it is. Uh, that has been prepared through uh, a lot of hard work, but also a lot of passionate desire to bring to you something of high quality uh, that will uh, help to enhance your Christmas experience. Um, I asked Danny to post a couple of classic clips um, with my talk from the film Dead Poets Society. If, if you don't happen to see a link for some reason to those, uh, you can go on YouTube and find them on Carpe Diem Seize the Day, Dead Poets Society, that's one. And the other one is Dead Poets Society 1989, What Will Your Verse Be? <clears throat> and I want to tie these uh, videos in with the poem by Robert Frost called The Road Not Taken, and also to tie that with the Christmas story. And uh, hopefully in the words of Robin Williams' character in Dead Poets Society, uh, we can hear the voices of those who are now fertilising daisies and we can hear the cry of the characters who make up what we know as the story of the nativity or the Christmas story. So in that first video um, of uh, Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society, uh, he gathers the boys that he is the, the, um, the master who is teaching them poetry. He gathers them in the foyer of the establishment that they have the privilege of uh, attending and belonging to. And he gets them to stare into the cabinet in which are all the uh, memorabilia and the pictures of, of boys who once attended that facility and who are now, now long gone, as Robin puts it, uh, um, food for worms and uh, fertilizer for daisies. And he asked them to lean in, to listen to what those boys are saying to this current generation, to those in the school now, to those still alive. 
uh, and with so much possibility and potential. And as they lean in, of course, Robin speaks behind them as if it's coming from the boys in the pictures saying carpe diem. And that's the phrase that's been made so popular and famous because of that film, seize the day. Um, and so he leans in, gets them to lean in and says, carpe diem, seize the day, boys, make your lives extraordinary. I find it interesting as a, a student of language and one who uses language so much and has done all of my life that we take words and we often piece them together and then we miss the full impact of that word. And extraordinary is one of those words, you know, oh, we had an extraordinary day. Oh, that gift is just extraordinary. What an extraordinary meal. We never stop to think, actually, that that is the combination of two separate words that if we would separate them might make, me, make us have a greater sense of what the word means, extraordinary. Meaning it's beyond ordinary, it's extraordinary. And this carpe diem sees the day thing is about trying to bring us to a place where our lives become extraordinary. We get so caught up in the ordinariness of life and perhaps lose the, lose the reality that our lives can actually, still whatever age you are, and I'm 65 years of age, can be extraordinary. And how is that? Well, he proposes, Robin Williams, according to the doctrine of uh, Dead Poet Society, um, by seizing the day. Seizing the day. Each day, seizing the day, seizing the moment. Now, of course, the question would be, but what does that really mean, to seize the day? And that's where I want to bring you to Robert Frost's poem that he wrote in 1915, um, called The Road Not Taken. And I know everybody's not a fan of poetry, but I will do my best to read it and read it well uh, and uh, point out to you what I think is such a connection with this seize the day principle. So here's, here's his poem. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller, long I stood. And looked down one as far as I could to where it bent into the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by. And that has made all the difference. This is the same spirit as the seas the day. Two roads diverged in a wood and I took the road less travelled by and that has made all the difference. And for me, that actually then links in with the Christmas story because I think the Christmas story is a seize the day story for every one of us. If we can truly grasp what it is about, just as the road less travelled is, is, is a truth for us. If we can grasp what that is about and we tie those together, maybe out of it our lives become extraordinary and we walk the road that makes all the difference. You see, the Christmas story is actually about choices made and directions taken. And um, we have two words that 
that have become used for the Christmas story, Nativity and Incarnation. Now, now you may think that both are just exactly the same, interchangeable, there's no difference, but actually they're both talking about different things, although connected by the same by the same event. They share a moment on the stage of life, but they are not the same thing. And I would put it this way, one is the birth of a baby in a manger, the other is the known experienced and irremovable presence of the divine in the body of humanity. What a difference. What a difference. One makes the difference. One, one, one brings the extraordinary into the equation. But the other is just the story of the birth in a manger. And, and there is a subtle cleverness within the biblical text that constitute what we know as the Christmas story. Uh, to me, it conveys a hopeful, inclusive, big-hearted message and a call to belief, not just that it may be that Jesus was the Son of God, but of the infinite potentiality and possibility that rests within the seeming constraints of daily life and existence. Each of the characters taking the stage convey a piece of that message. I don't know if you see it. I, I saw it last year so clearly and and see it again this year so clearly, that we're all Herod. We, we've all been the baby killer, the one who felt that our position, our authority, our role, our identity was being threatened by, by, by the occurrence or, or, or the event of something else turning up, the challenge of another thing, the, the, the threat to, to our current existence of another impartation, or let's call it an incarnation, into the world. So we've all been errored. We've all wanted to kill the baby. <clears throat> we've all wanted to get rid of that truth, though it may be, so that it would leave us secure just as we are. We've all been the innkeeper who didn't want to make any room or couldn't make any room, who, whose lives were so full of stuff that when it came to the challenge of this new thing, this incarnate presence that perhaps would change everything, <clears throat> even for us, that um, we had to say there's no room in the inn. And so, and so rather than making room in the inn, we've just accommodated it in an outbuilding or in, or in a, sub, a subsection of our lives, just like the story is trying to convey about the birth of Jesus. We're all the innkeeper. We've all been the shepherd. We all are the shepherd. You know, the, 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 the sense of being um, excluded or discriminated against or being the underclass or the underling or the underprivileged or the rejected or the unclean or whatever. We've, we've all been that, that, that person. We've all had that sense of being outside of the community, out somewhere in the, in, in, in the wilds. Uh, but perhaps we've all had that sense of, of a visitation of something occurring. Something happened that seems to be very heavenly that is calling us to come to something beyond where we are, to leave what we currently are engaged with and to go to some other place where we will find a manifestation of something that will now forever change our existence. Question being, there we leave what it is that we are so committed to keeping and protecting.
We've all been the shepherd. We've all been the magi, the wise men. We, we, we've all been uh, in systems and structures and understandings and dogmas and thinkings that didn't hold to what it was that we were now being challenged to move towards. And, and we've all had those experiences of the star in the sky. You say, well, I've never had that experience. But if you think about it real hard in many ways, things happen in life <clears throat> that are just like that star in the sky that seem to be drawing us somewhere, calling us somewhere, leading us somewhere. And asking us to follow, even though we don't know where that will lead. We've all been the Magi, you have to make those choices. We've all been Joseph. We've all had those moments where the challenge on our life, in respect to what it was that we were being asked to accommodate, embrace, accept, own, was a great challenge to who we currently were, because we didn't understand, because because we maybe didn't agree, because maybe we could not grasp. Uh, and, so, and so out of a place of, of difficulty, out of a place of um, uh, uh, lack of understanding very often, having to come to a place where do I trust what I am being drawn to, what I am being told enough to allow it to draw me into a place where I can show some sense of nobility. There's one of the versions of the Bible that says that Joseph was chagrined but noble. It means that he was completely ticked off. Um, he was upset. Of course, the subject matter being, you know, uh, your fiance is pregnant, but nobody did it. it. God did it. You know, I mean, imagine, just imagine uh, the, the, what it, what the picture this is painting, the scenario this is offering up for you. Uh, and what it would do in your own mind. But it says he was chagrin but noble, which means that he made noble choices beyond his current level of understanding. And we've all been there, and that, that is, is, we've all been Joseph. And actually, we've all been Mary. We, we've all been subject to the issue of, first of all, wrestling with the issue of chosenness, uh, of, of our role within the world and to ourselves and why we should be or see ourselves as being special and worthy to bear anything other than we've already born in our lives. And uh, to whether in the context of those challenges which call us to accept and believe something greater than we can understand that bring us into the realm of, of, of mystery uh, and, uh, and unknowing whether we are willing to say I'm willing uh, and allow that to, 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 to let the impartation of what is coming to us become uh, that which really makes us pregnant with the new thing. We've all been Mary, we've all been in that position. And I'm going to shock some of you and, and uh, some of our fringe uh, listeners might be surprised, but um, um, we've all been Christ. We're all Christ. We're all Herod. We're all innkeeper. We're all shepherd. We're all magi. We're all Joseph. We're all Mary. We're all Christ. You say, well, how, how do, you, do you come up with, with that one? Because Christ is the incarnate presence of the divine creator showing up in the human world, but present in all things. 
And that is the seize the day. That is the, one could say, the ultimate of the seize the day. It's the ultimate of choosing the road less traveled and finding ourselves, because of choosing that road less traveled, um, it making all the difference. And so, you know, the essence really of this is not just to bring us to, to Jesus in the manger, but it's to bring us to that understanding of this Christ spirit, this incarnate God presence in human flesh, which is not just for the one moment as it was for the man Jesus, for the, for the, for the incarnation in the form of Jesus, but it's also present for you because that incarnation has never stopped being present in the earth and that incarnation spirit still raises the Christ in you and uh, for me that is that is that extra ordinariness whether you understand it see it or not that's what's present and that's where the extraordinary flows into the essence of our humanity so the question when you look at that in the story did they all seize the day Sadly, I would have to say no, but what I would say is the day was there to be seized and it's there to be seized for you. See, nativity without incarnation is just another Christmas tale. Take it or leave it, believe it or don't, it's just another Christmas tale. But when it becomes incarnation, it becomes a divine word into the essence of the world which humanity can embrace and so engage with the power that that releases and brings. And the root of this, at the root of this, uh, biblically the Bible puts it this way, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The root and the core of this story is Emmanuel, God with us. But I think it's more than that, it's God in us, because that's the real essence of this, but it's even more than that, it's God as us and I think for me if anything summarizes what the Emmanuel God with us not nativity but incarnation means it's God with us God in us God as us and I pray we can grasp that today there have been many attempts throughout the ages to introduce elements to the story which are inaccurate and simply dismiss us from the story which is what i'm against dismissing us we are not dismissed from the story we are part of the story we are the story uh, and so rather than fully including us in it these these things have cropped up uh, particularly in Christian doctrine in some areas of the church that simply dismiss us from the story. One of those is something you will have heard of, the Immaculate Conception in relation to Mary. It, it, it occurred uh, quite early on in the story as, as the roots of this were emerging to what we would now know as Roman Catholicism. The belief that uh, Mary's uh, and they got this from an ancient book called the Book of J. Of, of I think it's the Book of James. It might I, I can't remember just offhand. I'd have to look that up for you. But but where they got it from, the story was that that not just Mary and Joseph didn't have intercourse to produce the Christ child to produce Jesus, but also that uh, Mary's parents did not have intercourse. Uh, because and and a mother was barren and couldn't bear a child, but but Mary was conceived is the basic essence of the the story was the beginnings of this. And then in the 1800s, it was put into Catholic dogma uh, that not only was that the case, but that 
Mary was conceived without something the church has been obsessed with called original sin. So they sort of also tried to make Mary born of a virgin with no sin within her so she could give birth to Jesus with no sin so he could have no sin. And you think, well, where does all this stop? What about Mary's parents? What about Mary's parents' parents? What about Mary's parents' parents' parents? And all of these have been attempts through the ages to introduce these elements to the story which dismisses from the story when actually the story is there to include us in the story so that the miracle that is the story, the incarnation, is the miracle that we live in. And so those things shifted it from incarnation to nativity, if you understand what I mean. And I'm trying to shift you from nativity to incarnation. See, every one of us should share the hope of the virgin birth as a reality because if we do, then it's possible that each of us has placed within us by something other than our own efforts, a presence that, when birthed, brings salvation to our world, not condemnation of our world. There's something about surrender to mystery in the whole of this story, in the story of the two roads, in the expression of the carpe diem, Something about surrender to mystery and unknowing that carries the potential for unimagined possibility. And if ever there was a time within the calendar of our year where we should give ourselves to think about this, perhaps Christmas time is it. Don't be afraid of or resistant to the journey that brings you to truth. Don't be afraid of the surrender to mystery and unknowing. The great response of Mary to the invitation to become participant over spectator was let it be to me as you have said. And I think right there in the crux of that is the whole issue of the let it be to me as you have said. The surrender to mystery, not being resistant to the journey that brings you to truth, the surrender to unknowing. And that, for me, is the essence of these things that we're tying together. So let me finish by coming back to the other clip from Dead Poet Society, which concludes with the very powerful words, You are here, and life exists, and identity. The powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Interesting that it's called a play, the powerful play goes on. And that's relating to how Whitman, who wrote this, saw life, and, and I agree with him. <clears throat> so it's interesting that it's a play, but how serious we have made it all. Isn't it interesting that we don't work music? We play music, we play it. Isn't it interesting we don't go to watch work, we go to watch a play. We don't go to watch a work, we go to watch a play. Now when we get all technical people talk about the works of Shakespeare, but the works of Shakespeare are not experienced as works of Shakespeare, they're experienced as plays of Shakespeare. And this whole word play comes into the equation. And that's why I wanted to title my message today and probably will Playtime. Because it's playtime for us. This whole journey, this whole journey, even through the diverging roads and the carpe diem and the, uh, and the, and the Christmas story really want to bring us to playtime. Not work time, playtime. 
maybe we miss the reality that life is a play and should be approached as such and we've made it work. Think about that for a moment. And so let me finish by reading to you that uh, play from which Robin Williams' character in the clip from Dead Poets Society refers. It's called Oh Me, Oh Life by Walt Whitman. Oh me, oh life, of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, of myself forever reproaching myself. For who more foolish than I, and who more faithless? Of eyes that vainly crave the light, of the objects of, of, of the objects mean, of the struggle ever renewed, of the poor results of all, of the plodding and sordid crowds I see around me, of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest me intertwined. The question, O oh me, O oh sad recurring, what good amid these, O oh me, O oh life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists, and identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest.